so Lord, we just dedicate this time that Lord, you love us, that you um, you've left everything and sacrificed everything so that we may know that you love us, God. And Lord, we know that where that love goes, you want it to outflow into other people that do not know your love as well. So Lord, we, we thank you that you could take people like us and you could use us for your glory, Jesus. So we ask for your revelation, we ask for your understanding, and we trust in your leadership that you will teach us these things in boldness and in love. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, so I'll just give you a snapshot of um, what we're going to be doing. This is, we're going to now start presenting how to share the gospel and how to share your testimony. And that can be expressed in many, many ways. But one of the ways that it really needs to be expressed as well is just common relationship, common language relationship. And so while we also do expressions of evangelism with acting and skits and singing and dancing, um, a lot of your evangelism will just be you talking with somebody on the bus. Will be like you meet someone down the street, will be a family member or a friend often. When I first gave my life to Jesus, I, tr I evangelized all my friends who were um, either going to jail or getting shot. So, um, but nobody else would reach them, right? Your friends and your family, your uncle, your aunt, your brother, your sister, you're the only one that probably might have the anointing of God to preach the gospel to them because maybe they don't have anyone else around them. And so even in the Bible, your relationships are really important. So we want to make sure that you can preach to a thousand people, but we want to make sure that you can preach to one person. We want to make sure you can preach in small groups and in settings that are made for open airs, but also you could preach in settings that are just happening throughout life, through the phone, through Facebook, through Messenger, all that stuff. And so we're going to go over a lot of those dynamics right now. Um, so first in Acts 2, I want to give a little bit of, it's the first quote-unquote open air of the Bible, Acts 2. So to paint the picture, Jesus is dead. Um, he resurrected, and then they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them, which is the day of Pentecost. And if you look at Pentecost, when it came, there was all these different languages that came because it's an event, it's a festival. And that's why there were so many people that spoke different languages, and they were shocked that they were able to understand what they were saying. Because they were like, how did they speak so many different languages? And so the Holy Spirit comes as a refresher. Everyone gets hit by the Holy Spirit like a gushing wind. It comes upon people like tongues of fire. They're able to uh, prophesy, and then he starts speaking some of these things that is, that's been happening for the last 2,000 years. Uh, verse 17, Acts 2. And it shall come to pass the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And my manservant and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above, signs and earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor or smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming and the great awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so that was 2,000 years ago. So the Holy Spirit fell, and then now we're at the place where we're at right now. And so before, none of the Israelites received vision. In the days of David, he was the only one that would get visions. Or even in the days of uh, Samuel. Samuel was known um, that he was uh, one of the few men 
or one of the other men that heard from God because it was rare for people to hear from God that day. It was only one person because the Holy Spirit didn't live in us yet because we had, we had sin and the sacrifice of Jesus wasn't there. Okay, so now the Holy Spirit comes and then every one of us are starting to get dreams, visions, encounters. We can hear the Lord and that's what's happening. And so that's a move of God. So Peter, he's over here, and then he's starting to now have the boldness of the Holy Spirit that's come upon him. So if you go later down the scripture, he starts preaching the gospel and who Jesus is. Peter starts saying things like, These are the one that you were waiting for, you just killed. You've been waiting all day for this Son of God, for this Messiah, for this person that would come in the flesh and he would save us, and you guys just killed God. And that's what he was telling to them as Israelites, which is a really big deal because they didn't want to hear that, right? But he was preaching the gospel. The gospel isn't what people want to hear. It's the truth that sets them free. And so for them to have the truth that sets them free, they had to realize you, he did come. And every single prophetic promise that you would wait for was already fulfilled in the sense of his coming. And then he preached it with very strong integrity and very strong supernatural boldness. And there's a very key word here that I want you to get. Go to verse 37. So in verse 37, Acts 2, he says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And then, um, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Okay, so when you preach the gospel, you're cutting them to the heart. It's not a comfortable message, especially if they don't know Jesus. It's not a, it's not, it doesn't feel nice. It feels different. It doesn't feel like the world. It feels like something beyond. They're speaking about something that's beyond what we know. And it's something beyond flesh and bone. It's spiritual. And so you're awakening faith as you speak the, and you preach the gospel. And then so when he spoke the gospel in truth and boldness, Peter, it cut them to the heart. And they, you've ever heard the gospel or you ever heard someone give truth? And then it's hitting you. You're like, man, what am I going to do? Because that's me. You ever hear someone preaching and you're like, that's me. The dude's talking about me. And that's what Peter said. He was talking to them. And the whole crowd started going like, oh, I killed him. I killed Jesus. I was there when he died. I was one of those people. And then so they start asking, what do we do? And that's very normal in, um, in preaching the gospel. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. You want to you take it seriously because there's this one time where I was, I was joking around with my friends. We were practicing preaching the gospel. And uh, we, we had this, um, uh, we were pretending we were talking to drug dealers in America. And so um, I talked to you, I was, okay, you be the drug dealer, I'll be the preacher. And he was like, all right. So I said, hey, here's the gospel, blah, 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 blah. And then I said, I gave it to him, you got to leave drugs, you got to stop drug dealing, you got to follow Jesus, you got to love him with all your heart, you got to do X, Y, and Z. And that's what it means to have your whole heart for Jesus. And then uh, we were making a joke. We said, um, oh, okay, um, great, I'll do that. What do I do? And I was like, oh, uh, then, that, yeah, you follow Jesus. Then we just started laughing and giggling like little girls. And then um, we were just laughing. We weren't kind of taking it seriously. Because it, the odds of a drug dealer repenting that fast is kind of slim, right? So anyways, I get with this guy, and we're in the back of a truck. And then he knows that I was a gang member, and I'm saved. So he's all like, hey, so I heard, like, you got some crazy stuff you used to do. What did you do? 
And I was like, oh, I used to be a drug dealer. I used to be a gang member, blah, 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 and all this stuff. And then, um, and then I gave my life to Jesus. And then, um, and then he said, whoa, that's crazy. And then um, he asked me, uh, what do I do? Because he's a drug dealer. And then because I was giggling like a little person, when I was practicing, I giggled in real life. And I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, what was I supposed to do again? Like, I forgot what I was supposed to do, because in training, I didn't take it seriously. And then so that point, uh, that point went away. Uh, there was another time in uh, Tagig City, right? Um, I, I don't think I told you this already. But one of our friends was walking to the bathroom in Tagig, in one of the uh, areas where we were doing the gospel. And then the town, uh, one of the ladies in the village or the town, she said, or the barangay, said, oh, that's the, that's, the, that's the barangay drug dealer. He's the one that deals all the drugs here. And then so he went up to him, and then he said, um, you know what? Jesus loves you. And he started breaking down crying. And then he gave his life to the Lord. He showed up to the events. He started getting saved. He repented and all this stuff. And it was just like that simple. And so you don't, like, what do you do if you're in those situations where someone says, come, I want to follow Jesus, what do I do? And so that's exactly what happens here. Verse 38, then Peter said to them, repent, let everyone be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of the sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so when someone gives their life to Jesus and they repent, which is a long-term thing, even when we do our campaign and we do events, the commitment we call commitments. Because the repentance, you have to see, you have to walk with them, you have to disciple them. You have to be with them throughout the whole process. And then he says this, and with many other words, he testified, exhorting to save, saying to them, be saved from this perverse generation. And those gladly received this word were baptized. And that day, 3,000 souls were added to them. So the first open air was 3,000 people. Some people would even say these are just the men. They weren't the family members. So it can go anywhere from 3,000 to like 20,000. And so that's, I mean, that's the kind of stuff we see all the time. But the idea there is that you want to be able to share your story, share the gospel, share what it means to follow Jesus, get them to the place where they understand what they're committing to, and then let the indwelling of the Holy Spirit come and live in them and get them baptized in fire. And then you want to be able to have it in such a way that they'll be able to get discipled. All right. So, Josh, why don't you come up here? I'll try and hold Ariella. And uh, no, 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 no. Go ahead, Tiger. Anyway, so, um, all right, let me just talk to you about Josh for a second. Okay, yeah, it's hot. Just hot. hang out with the fan. Well, it's, it's colder than outreach. So, um, okay, this is Josh. He's an amazingly nice little guy, super friendly. If you you got to be nice to dogs when you're around him because he loves dogs. And, um, but he's been preaching to like tens of thousands of people. And so he's been doing it in Indonesia, he's been doing it in India, he's been doing it in the Philippines, he's done it with Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, all kinds of people. And then, um, yeah, when the Holy Spirit comes upon him, I believe the Holy Spirit likes resting on him because he doesn't do it in pride, he does it in a lot of humility. And so he's gonna give a presentation of the gospel, his story, interweave it with the uh, altar call. And you want to, you're gonna be lost people, okay? So just pretend you're lost, but just. Stay put. Don't run around and smoke crack. So just um, stay here. And then he's going to preach the gospel. And we're going to pretend that we're a bunch of high school Catholics or something. So we're like 18, 16-year-old Catholics. We're in the Philippines. And he's going to present the gospel so that we can actually understand what the Holy Spirit is doing. All right. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So I'm going to share my story with you guys. I grew up in America. 
and I grew up in a Christian family. So my whole life, growing up, I was taught to follow Jesus. I was taught to read the Bible. I was taught that this was the right thing to do, was to believe in God. And the problem was I didn't have an experience or an encounter with Jesus. And so as I got into my teen years, I started to fall into peer pressure. I started to hang out with people who were doing drugs and alcohol and wanted to be in different relationships. And so as I was in this environment, different people were influencing me in the wrong way. And so I gave into it because I didn't have a strong experience with Jesus. And so I got into drugs. I got into smoking weed, cocaine, doing all these different things, having relationships with women. And it was trying to fulfill something that God could only fulfill in my life. And you know, God created each one of us for a reason and for a purpose. Each one of us were created to be a, the family of God, to be sons and daughters of God. And the problem was in the very beginning was that disobedience came. And, and Adam and Eve were the first people that God created as his children. And what happened was they disobeyed him. And so through not listening to the Father, sin came into the world. Darkness came in. And all of you know what sin is, right? Sin is when you do something that you're not supposed to. It could be lying. It could be stealing. It could be committing adultery, being in a relationship with a man or a woman before marriage. It could be uh, addictions to uh, pornography, or it could be to uh, alcoholism or drugs. All of these things are, are because of sin that came in through disobedience. But God had a plan, and his plan was to send Jesus, who was his only son. And Jesus came just like us as, no, as a human being, but he was fully dependent upon God, his father, and he was fully God himself. And so as he came, he lived a perfect life, a, a life that none of us could live. And so we all miss the mark, right? We all are not perfect. And so we need the one who is. And so that's why Jesus had to die on the cross. What they did was they whipped him with uh, uh, these whips with glass and nails and rocks and sharp objects. And they whipped it into his back and they tore it out of his back and the flesh would come off of his body. They mutilated his face and his whole figure to where he didn't look human anymore. And so through this, he was demonstrating his love for us. He was demonstrating the, the consequences of sin in our life, but the Father in heaven put the consequences upon his own son, Jesus, so that through relationship with Jesus, we can have life, we can have eternal life, and we can have the perfection that God has from the very beginning. And then we can have it like it was from the very beginning when it was perfect. It was perfection. There was no sin. And it only comes through relationship with Jesus. And so what happened in my life, I lived in that life of sin for multiple years. And then I was 18 years old, and I went to a born-again Christian church. And this is why I talk about that it's not about religion. It's not about just trying to do good because you can never do enough good. You can't get yourself to heaven through doing good. And so this is how I know the difference between religion and relationship with God. Is when I was 18, I went to this church and I said, Jesus, if you're truly real and, and I'm not living the way I should live, then you need to show me. And I went in. I had an experience with the presence and the power of God. 
I, for the first time, I felt the love of God. Tangibly, I could feel him come upon me, his presence and his love for me. But at the same time, I knew that I had a decision to make, either to choose to follow him or to reject him. And at that moment, I knew I couldn't go back to my old life. I knew I couldn't choose the same addictions, the same sin habits. I knew I had to change, but I didn't know how to. And at that moment, I knew I had to read the Bible. I had to get into the Bible because that's part of what a relationship looks like is you have to read the Bible. You have to talk to God. It's not about just going to church, although that's good, but it's about relationship and hearing from God and having an experience with him. So from that experience, I had an encounter with the heart of God. So I knew my purpose. I knew what I was created for and that I had value at that moment. He set me free from my addictions and the drugs and all of those things. And so it was, a pro- it was a process of having a day-to-day relationship with God that he began to continually show me who he was. And I realized I had to give up something. I had to give up my old life. I had to exchange my old life and my old way of thinking for his life and his way of thinking. And that way only comes through the Bible through knowing the word of God. And so I began to pursue Jesus and he began to change my life as I surrendered uh, my old friendships. I had to let go of things. I had to let go of uh, old friendships that were actually pressuring me to live wrong. And so I had to give that up. And there's things that God is gonna have to have you give up, that you guys are gonna have to give up if you wanna follow him. If you want the same freedom that I experienced, you have to do something about it. And so you have to surrender your life to him completely. And you're not promised tomorrow. Tomorrow you could be gone. I have many friends who got in car accidents and they were gone. They're dead. I had many friends who committed suicide. They're gone. They're no longer on the earth. And so we're, we're all appointed to die once in this life. Every one of us will die at some point. And the question is, is where will you go? Will, there, will you go to heaven or will you go to hell? The Bible talks about heaven and hell. There's no in-between. There's no gray. There's no purgatory. The Bible says clearly there's no purgatory, but there's clearly a heaven and a hell. And when we die, the decision we made on this earth will determine where we will go. Hell is a place that's completely separated from God's love, from his presence, and there's torment. And there's hell. There's, there's eternal fire that people are living in because they chose to not believe in him. But Jesus doesn't want that. He created hell for the devil and his angels. He didn't want us to go there in the first place. That's why he said Jesus, he so loved the world, he so loved you and me, that he sent Jesus to take our place so we could be with him in heaven forever. And so heaven is a place where God is dwelling. And that's where we will go when we die if we believe in him. So I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to respond to if you want to choose freedom in your life, if you want to choose to surrender everything and choose to give up your old life and experience this love and this joy and this peace that he wants to give you, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. Okay, so everyone bow your head, close your eyes. If you want this relationship with Jesus and you say, you know, I'm tired of my sin, I'm tired of the brokenness and the pain I've experienced in life, the abuse I've had, the addictions that I've been in, it's all left me empty. If you want change, if you want the freedom from your sin and to live with God forever, raise your hand. As high as you can, I want you just to raise your hand. 
Okay, and if you have never, or if you had at one point in your life followed Jesus, but you've turned away, you've, you've got back into sin, you got back into a relationship that you know you shouldn't have been in and you've, you're, you're committing sexual morality, but you want to come back to him today, I want to give you an opportunity to also go ahead and raise your hand if that's you. All right, this will change your life forever, I promise you. Now pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me a brand new life. I surrender everything to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your love. Fill me with joy and with your peace. I give you everything in Jesus' name. Now, there's another gift that God wants to give you, and that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the presence and the Spirit of God. And when Jesus died, he went to the Father in heaven, and he sent his helper, who is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be with you forever, and he will never leave you. He will help you to overcome your temptations. He will help you to overcome sin in your life. And so that you will continually hear his voice and know that he's with you. And if you want the Holy Spirit, just put your hands out like you're receiving a present or a gift. Put them out just right in front of you. And I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for coming upon every single person in this room right now. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and power in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, that's it. that like you do that all the time <laughs> oh wait you do okay i'm gonna have josh come back you want to explain any nuances or something about the gospel from what you were preaching well oh yeah the, the with the catholics i'm more bible because they understand a little bit of the christian terms they understand a little bit about who jesus is so i can talk um less simply if that makes sense Someone who's a Hindu or Buddhist, I would have to make it very simple to where I can't use certain terms and certain words because won't, it won't make sense. Like righteousness won't really make sense to them. So you have to make it more simple than that. So with Catholics, I make it that it's not about religion. It's about relationship. I make it that there has to be repentance, which is changing and giving up your life and not continually living in it. So the repentance, I kind of emphasize, and then the, the giving up everything to follow him, I really emphasize too. Because Catholics know about Jesus. He died on the cross. They know about the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know, but a lot of them don't really even know the, who the Holy Spirit really is, you know. So that's why at the end, we always do being filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, and that's what people need when they first get saved. So, but I think for the Catholics, from what I can think of right now is the repentance part, is very important, and then the exchanging your life for his life and giving up everything for Jesus. That's good. He's going to actually share again in a, a couple of moments, but I'm going to go over, I'm going to break down what he did inside of your manual, and then he's going to come again, and then he's going to share like he would in a place filled with Hindus, uh, Hindus, actually, where there's like millions of gods. Okay, so let's go ahead and break this down and figure out the method to Josh's madness. 
Okay, why is Josh so crazy? All right, anyways, so if you look at page 42 in your manual, this is where you're going to see the five-point gospel. You could take notes here and all this stuff, but I would also suggest maybe having your Bible next to you if you want to cross-reference a lot of the scriptures, uh, your journal, if you want to write out things that you're trying to process. At one point, what we're praying for is that many, many of you will be able to rise up as evangelists as well. And so some of you will have a chance to preach the gospel in open air. Some of you, maybe the Lord is um, telling you to preach the gospel in the relational side of things too. Some of you, the Holy Spirit might be asking you to express the gospel through productions and skits and songs and all that stuff. But the idea is we want everybody to be preaching the gospel. And so by the end of it, that's what all of you are going to be doing. That's your, that's your bowling strike. That's what you're going to boom, boom, boom every time you go out. All right. So the way that we want to build confidence with this is repetition. We want to get this in our heart. We want to get this in our soul, our spirit, our body. And then we want to be able to let it become so natural to us that the Holy Spirit, when it comes upon us, it's not struggling with our mind or struggling with our body or struggling with anything like that. We just want to become very comfortable with the word on what it's saying with the Holy Spirit so we know what to deal with. Okay, so if you look at the per first part of the gospel, there's five sections there. I'm going to go over the testimony um, a little bit later. But um, for the gospel, there's number one is God's plan. That's where Josh was sharing about Genesis. And then what was creation originally for? Family, father, son, children, all that other stuff. And then, by the way, too, this is like a controlled environment. So when Ariellis yells, it's like the only thing that's yelling. But then when we do outreach, it's going to be wild. One time we had a naked baby behind us fall. Like, it was just, I was like, Who's, whose naked baby is that? And then, like, the baby kept walking, walking, and walking, and she just fell off the thing. And then the mama was coming, and then all the missionaries were trying to look for the mama or, like, what was going on. And then, so it's like, you just got crazy stuff that happened during outreach. So, like, it's just going to be wild. It's going to be all over the place. You're going to have people in the back mocking you and gawking at you. You're going to have people in the basketball court smoking on top of the roof. And then you're going to have people there that are like, what's going to happen in my life? And then it's, it's just a crazy amount of emotion when you preach the gospel of how powerful it is. So that's number one. That's God's plan. Number two is our rebellion. And so you want to be able to share that God's plan, when people ask, one of the places where people really fall short is when something bad happens into their life, they think, well, God caused cancer. Well, God caused world war. Well, God caused poverty. Why, why is God doing all these things? The answer is actually he did it. That was us, right? That's what Josh was sharing. That was the disobedience of man. That was his intention with how we were supposed to live. Inside of perfect love and in perfect obedience, there is no war. There is no nuclear bombs. There is no suicide. There is no depression. Because in perfect love, there's no fear. But when we disobeyed God, we rebelled against him. We rebelled against love. We let ourselves do whatever we want to do. And then so, number three. I'm going to go down here. You can see that there's a bunch of scriptures here, right? God's love. God loved us while we were sinners. And that's a lot of what we were understanding even with, the, with the, the first love, what we were going over this morning, is that he chose us when we were sinners. He loved us, excuse me, when we were sinners. He went to the cross, he died, he got crucified, and then he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because he knew at one day the Israelites would repent, but today wasn't the day. And then so he moved forward, and then you also hear Josh when he was sharing, our price. This is one that 
America doesn't even preach this anymore. There's so many churches and mega churches and preachers and so-called evangelists. They don't even preach the price of Jesus anymore. I've been to some churches and, and read some doctrines and interviews and people. The number one thing they'll never preach is like Luke 9. They'll never preach, pick up your cross and follow me. Because they're like, well, there's so much bad stuff happening in the world already. Everybody's feeling so bad. I don't want to talk to them about more bad stuff. Well, I'm sorry, Luke 9, picking up your cross and dying daily, that's not bad stuff. That's the best stuff we've ever heard. And so you want to be able to live out your life in anointing where you every single day, like Luke 9, you're picking up your cross every single day. That's like me telling you every single day, I want you to get tortured and die for Jesus. That's what the cross was. We're going to watch a movie um, later this week or next week. It's called Apostle Paul. I'll tell, you the, I'll tell you the intro. That's it. I won't tell you everything else. You have, to, you have to know the rest of the movie, which is actually in the Bible, but whatever. So, like, it starts out, there's this dude yelling. He's just screaming. And then uh, Luke is walking through the alleyways of Rome, and then he's trying to hide himself. And then he sees one of his friends yelling because he's getting doused in oil. And then he looks at him, and then he says, don't say anything. And then they stick fire all over him. And then he's hanging like the streetlights in the Philippines. But he's a burning man. And then that's what Nero used to do to all the Christians in Rome. He said, he said oh, you guys love God so much. Then you could, you could become the light of the world, like you so say. And then Nero would look outside of his kingdom, and he would see the streets burning with Christians. And they were the light of the world. When Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me, he said, that's who we are. We're burning ones dying every single day for the cross. That's what it means to follow Jesus. You don't, you don't step away from that. You never step away from surrender. You always speak about number four, our price. There's so many Christians that fall away because they don't know the price it takes to follow Jesus. They think that following Jesus is the apple under the tree. They think that following Jesus is the encounter that they had, but no commitment. Following Jesus is every single day, whatever he challenges me to, I'm going to follow him because I love him. That's what it means. It's by faith. It's not by understanding. Uh, number five is inter eternal judgment and reward. That's where Joshua is sharing about what eternity was made for. Eternity, all of us are eternal beings. None of us are going to die. Uh, we're going to die, but then we have a second death, which is essentially condemnation. It's hell, right? That's our second death. But we weren't supposed to have that. We were supposed to be eternal beings forever. And then that's what he speaks about when we, when we talk about heaven. Heaven, we are with Jesus forever. Hell is, he's, he's not going to be with you. Everything that's nice, I've, I've read some testimonies of people that went to hell and back. In hell, there's no life. So even when your flesh rips from your body, there's no blood. Because blood has water. It's like your flesh ripping, your teeth gnashing, worms eating you alive for eternity. Because everything that's terrible is in hell. There's nothing good in hell. Even when you long for someone to love you and you find a girlfriend that somewhat loves you, it's a dilapidated version of love. In hell, it's gone. Love is a forgotten reminiscent. Tears of joy are forgotten reminiscent. All of it's gone. The only thing you're inside is pain without love, loneliness, suicide, depression, being raped and pillaged and destroyed every single day of your life. There's this huge movement in America where they're trying to subtract hell from the Bible.
That's really bad. There's so much scriptures that talk about hell and eternal judgment. And there's so many scriptures that talk about reward. That's why you guys have to know this. It says that in the end times, which is right now, when war will be coming out of different places, rumors of war, all of this economic crashes, all of these things that are happening, a rebellious generation, that when that happens, preach the gospel and know what it means. And then it says that there's a big falling away. The falling away are from Christians. They love Jesus. They were encountered by God. But because of liberalism and all this other weird stuff, they come creepy in like Jude. And then they start whispering to you, you don't have to exchange your life. You could have all of the riches that you want. You don't have to make God God. You know the number one rule in the Satanic Bible is to do what you want. That's the first commandment in the Satanic Bible. Do what you want. God does, that's not how God's love works. But you have to tell them that. But if you don't know it, what will you tell them? Right? That's why you got to know this stuff in Scripture. Okay, so as we go on, number five, this is the invitation. Paul would always share, this is on page 43, the purpose of the gospel of the presentation is to persuade. So even Paul, he would tell Timothy, remember to persuade them. Remember to speak to them. So there's, a, there's an actual skill that the Holy Spirit comes upon you where you're starting to understand the hearts and the minds of the people in front of you. You're starting to see where they're at, right? You're starting to feel where they are because he's going to give you the words that will pierce their hearts. And so the invitation goes forth, and I'm not going to go through all of it. Um, but then there's a couple other things that you should do too as you're sharing it. Why repeat multiple times? Uh, that's a little too technical right now. I won't go into that. And then let's go into uh, delivery. And then so there's no perfect way of delivering the gospel. Uh, and then if it gets too, like, rigid, the Holy Spirit, it's very difficult for the Holy Spirit to move. Because then you're just saying stuff out of your mouth and it doesn't mean anything. You ever preach and, like, no one cares? Well, sometimes they don't care because they don't, <laughs> you're about to get stoned. But um, sometimes they don't care because they don't know what you're saying, right? It's not hitting. It's not anointed. And so your delivery, at the end of it, with every single one of these five points, there's specific things that when you're in front of an audience, you want to highlight. So, like Josh was sharing. One thing with Roman Catholicism is that we believe that we can go to Mass, I can go to some priest, I can repent of my sins, do 50 Hail Marys, and then I'm good. And then when I do something else, I repent to the priest, and then I do my 50 Hail Marys, and I'm good. And then they go on and get drunk and have a bunch of sex, and then get a bunch of wives, and get a bunch of people pregnant, and then they leave and do whatever they want. And that's Catholicism. There's no price. And so you have, to, you have to, when you preach the gospel to a Catholic, you have to remind them there's no idols in the Bible. There's none of that stuff. There's no Hail Marys in the Bible. The Virgin Mary was just like any other person. I mean, she was like, she was a virgin, then she gave birth to Jesus, but she wasn't like sinless. There's only one person that was sinless, and that was Jesus Christ. And then they don't know this stuff. They're talking to Virgin Mary. I remember I got a tattoo of Virgin Mary on me because I... Um, I asked, I was looking for my identity in the Philippines and then I found my birth certificate. Then it said Catholic because I was sprinkled with water and I was like, oh, I'm Catholic. So I got a picture of Virgin Mary. Well, now she's just a testimony of the Bible. And then, uh, be below that it says beyond death, we will never part. And then it's for, um, God, my grandma and me. And so I was praying every time I pray to God uh, that I'm praying a blessing over my grandma who died through Virgin Mary. Yeah, that's not real. That's good. That's a good face. Yeah, because that's not real. When you pray to God, you pray to Jesus. 
But they don't know that stuff. But you got to tell them. You're the one that's going to tell them. It ain't going to be Josh. Josh is going to tell them once, and then he's going to walk over to someone and probably tell a bunch of other people. But then that's going to be you. You're the one that's going to be telling your uncle and your aunt and your grandma and all this stuff. That stuff doesn't exist. What is it? We would go to um, Latin America, and all our family members, they're, they're Catholic and things like that. And then we would share, like, what it really means, and, you know, they'll kind of get it and kind of not get it. But then we know what the gospel is, and we keep sharing it in love. That Jesus Christ is what really matters. He's the one that did it. Okay, so anyways, Josh, you want to come up here for a second? So I'm going to paint the context of where Josh is going to preach now, okay? So all of you uh, women, you're all covered in veils. You can't show your ankles, can't show your bottom of your feet. You're, you're, you're Hindu women, okay? You guys are like men. Eh, you, could be, you could be young men. Don't, don't be uh, 70 years old. Just, um, you know, you're just like guys running around. You're like Hindu men and stuff like that. And then you just got done going to the temple and killing some sheep. And blood's all over the temple and all this stuff. And then you're dancing around the temple with your leg up. And then you're holding the sheep blood. And then you're doing all these crazy things. And then you're appeasing to the gods, Lord, give us some rain. And then you're going over and then you talk to the temple priest. And the temple priest says, okay, your daughter's sick. Here's some sheep poo. You put it in her face. And then when you put it in her face, mix it with your spit, and then she'll be healed. And then he goes to another temple, and they say, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to cut yourself and put the blood on the altar. And then when you put the blood on the altar, I want you to find a young girl that's in your family, and I want you to cut her and put the blood too. And then I want you to get your wife's menstrual cycle. And then I want you to put that on the animal. Because if you want your family to be blessed with wealth, you need to have all of the blood. That's what they talk about. In, in India, whatever the priest says, there's no law. It's whatever he says is going to happen, is going to happen. It's not like the Catholic world. It's nothing like America. Okay, so now we have Josh, and he's coming into the village, and a bunch of foreigners. All right. All right. So I'm going to share my story with you guys. Is that all right? Okay, so I know all of you are from different walks of life, different experiences, different beliefs. Uh, but my belief, I grew up as a Christian in the United States. And uh, I was taught to follow Jesus, follow this religion, but it wasn't real to me. So I just didn't believe that it was real. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in Jesus. And I lived the way I wanted to live. So I got into all these different things. I got into drugs and alcohol, addictions. I got into relationships with women to try to be happy and to be filled with joy and to find out what life was really about. Like, why do I exist? And uh, so I was on a search. I was trying to find out truth. What is truth? What is God? I, I, I knew that there was all these different religions and what is the true religion? What is the true God? And after pursuing all of these things in the world, I still was not happy. So I went to a Christian church one day, and I said, God, if you're real, Jesus, if you're the true living God, then you have to show me that you're real. And as I went into this Christian church, I had an experience with Jesus. I felt him. Tangibly, I could feel his presence. I felt that he loved me. I, in my heart, I felt like he said, I love you. And I knew that he was my God, that he was my father, and I was his son. 
So I knew I was created for a reason and had a purpose at that moment. And then I started to read the Bible, which Christians follow, and they read the Bible, and it talks about who God was, who God is. And it testifies, it says that he created all things. He created you and me, the trees, the ground, the dirt, the animals. This God, through the Christian Bible, created all of these things. And if we follow him, then we will have life. We will have freedom. And so what happened in the very beginning was he created us for family, to be his sons and daughters. God was, was supposed to be our father. But what happened was we disobeyed him. We didn't listen to what he had to say. He, he said, do the right thing, and we decided to do the wrong thing instead. And so what happened was darkness came into the world, sickness. I know many of you have probably experienced some form of sickness. Well, it's from, it's from sin. It's a consequence of sin coming into the world. And many of you maybe have said a lie. Maybe you've punched your family member or your spouse or you've seen abuse. You've seen people talk badly to you or talk down to you. Um, all of these things are consequences of sin. And what happened was the God of the Bible sent his only son, Jesus, who was fully God, but yet he was also fully a human being like you and I are. And he can relate with our weaknesses, but he lived a perfect life. He didn't, do the, he didn't lie. He didn't steal someone's food. He didn't go and punch someone and violate them. He didn't abuse uh, the, his daughter or his, his son or any of those things. He didn't hurt people. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And so that's what sin is. Sin is what separates us from this God. There's a gap between us and him. But Jesus, what happened was the people said he can't be God. And so what happened was they killed him because he said that he was God. And they whipped him with these, these uh, whips of, with glass and needles and all these sharp objects. And they whipped all of his flesh all of his, off of his body till he didn't look like a human being. They took him to this cross, and they put nails in his hands and in his feet, and he, he was laying there, and he was laying there. And you know what he said? He said, God, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. And so because of his love for you and I, there's no longer has to be a gap and a separation between him. If we believe in Jesus, the one who created all of us, then we can have that gap come back together again. And we can be one in relationship with him. And you can have freedom from the darkness and from the sin that came into our life that all of us were born into when we were born. And so if you want that, you can have an opportunity in a little bit. And I, and I will give you that opportunity and I will help you in how to follow Jesus. So when I had this encounter with Jesus, everything changed. I knew that God exists. I knew he was the true God. And I knew I had to find out who he was. So I started to read the Bible. I started to find out who this God is, who Jesus is. And then I, I saw that he says that Jesus is the only way to God the Father. It's the only way to get to him. So then it made sense that, okay, I had an experience with God's love, with this Jesus, and then his, the words on, in the Bible must be true. So if he's the only way to God the Father, then I must follow him. And so each of you, maybe you're from different walks of life, but Jesus is the only one that came to earth 
as God to pursue your love and to pursue your heart. Every other religion, we try to work our way to get to God. We try to worship all of these things to try to fill something within our heart, but it never satisfies. Because Jesus, the true God, came down and paid the price for the darkness and the sin in the world so that we could have a relationship with him and be completely free from those things in our life. And the, the importance of making a decision to follow Jesus is because after we die, there's, there's a, a paradise either of eternal life, which is in heaven, or eternal death, which is in, he excuse me, which is in hell. And hell is separated from God. And God doesn't want anybody to go there. But you have to choose to follow Jesus in order to live with him forever. There's not, you don't get reincarnated into anything else. You have one life that you live. And depending what you choose in this life and what God you choose to worship and follow will determine where you go after you die. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to choose to follow Jesus if you want that, if you want to be with him forever in heaven and to experience eternal life here on earth. I'm going to give you that chance right now. So if you want freedom, if you've been abused, if you have sickness in your body, Jesus can heal you because he took sickness upon his body when he was on the cross because he wants you to be healed. He wants to be, you to be healed in your body and in your heart. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want healing in your body and you want this, this God completely, you also have to say no to every other God. Every other idol. He says you can't have any other idols before me, only him. So you have to say no to all of these other things that you've worshipped. And you have to worship the one true God, which is through Jesus Christ. So if you want this, I'm going to have you make a, a bold statement and to raise your hand if you want to follow Jesus. Go ahead, lift your hand high and lift your hand up to Jesus. And then I'm going to help you pray a prayer to commit your heart to this God, okay? And he's going to come inside of you and make you a brand new person. Some of you might feel like you're in a dark room, and when you make this decision, all of a sudden the light is going to come on, and you're going to feel like you can see everything clearly. That's what it's like when you start to follow Jesus. It's you become a completely different person, and you feel clean. And so uh, if that's you, I want you to pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to die on the cross for my sin. Thank you for giving me new life. I want to follow you as the one true God. Forgive me for worshiping every other idol. Forgive me for worshiping any other God. I surrender to you in Jesus' name. And then we pray for the Holy Spirit as well, and that's it. Whoa. <laughs> All right, so you want to give, give a little bit of an example of why? So with Hindus, I think you have to... Uh, I mean, eternity is a big thing because they believe in the reincarnation and stuff. So, you know, emphasizing what happens after is, uh, I think, a, a really important point uh, because that makes them realize they have to make a decision now 
what they're going to do. But then also the cross. The cross is huge. Uh, giving them the visual of what Jesus went through and who he is is a pivotal thing for them because no God has come to love them to do something like that. And so when they get that visual and that picture, they're like, wow, this is a God I've never heard about. And so when they see the love that God has for us, they want that. Automatically, it moves their heart to where they, they, were, they, don't, they might not get it completely because it's the first time they're hearing it, but they feel something that they want. So the cross and I think eternity is probably the big ones to share on. Why don't you stay up here too? Because we're going to go into a workshop time. Um, yeah, that was really good. Really. <laughs> Super good. Okay. Um, like he explained, right? There were certain things that he picked out. Paul would even, since he's, Paul, you know, is just a very smart guy. Um, he would even go to some of these Greek temples. And he would say, that unknown God that you have right here, that's the one I'm talking about. There's this God that even the Greeks would worship. That they have no idea who it is. And he would say, that's God. And because he knows the Romans, he knows the Greeks' religion better than they do. And so that's where you want to become accustomed to the word. You want to know, you want to be sharp, you want to understand your audience. And then you preach the gospel not for yourself, but you preach it for the people that God's sending you to, like a bowling ball. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and have the staff come up. And then why don't we get into small groups again? And you guys are going to write out the five-point gospel. Okay, so we'll... Um, Keep it. Okay, let's keep it Catholic. Um, or where you came from. <laughs> so uh, just keep it Catholic. All right, so that we all have the same, we're on the same page. So here's the idea. You're going to take your journal. You're going to write out the five-point gospel, which is here in your manual. And you're going to write it out as if you were preaching it. Uh, three minutes. Really short. Nothing like what Josh did right now. Just so that you get the major principles. And you're speaking to a whole Catholic crowd. 300 people, they're all Catholics. What are you going to tell them? That why, did, why are you here and what are you talking about? And then uh, me and Josh will be um, answering questions and all this stuff. 